Hey, what's up, ASM High School? I'm Curtis. This is... I am Austin. What's up, ASM Middle School? That's right, guys. We're starting our new series. We're both kicking us off in the book of Galatians with our series called Set Free, Live Free. And as we start off our series looking at this letter from the Apostle Paul, we're just going to read his opening, which is Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So turn with me, if you will. If you need to stop this video so you can go grab a copy of God's Word, go do that, press pause now, come back, press play. But this is what Paul says. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. There's some interesting things here as we look at this opening. Like when you look at Paul's letters, he has these uh, these opening comments, uh, and and it's hard to like think through. Like, okay, why does any of this matter? But we actually need to understand some things about this church, this group of people he's writing to. We need to understand some things about Paul and some of the really important things that he says right here in his opening five verses in order to help us understand what's going on throughout the whole letter. So Austin, why don't you help us out with some of that stuff? Yeah, so let's, let's kind of get an idea. Where are we in history? This letter, uh, just as we were studying this, we were talking about this, it's so remarkable. This is one of the earliest letters from right. Paul. Uh, when we look at timeline, right, look around AD 30 is when Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, all of that happens, around 30, right? So we're not much past that because we think this letter is around AD 48, kind of our best guess. So we're talking about 18 years after this. Right. Really, really short, actually. And there's a bunch of stuff that happens in between there. Yeah. Right? So we have Paul's conversion at AD 33, roughly. He's on this road to a place called Damascus. He's going to go persecute Christians because he's still known as Saul. We're going to get into that in a couple weeks. And he's knocked off his horse by this blinding light. And the voice of Jesus speaks to him. And Paul has this conversion experience. Then he goes and he sits at the feet of some, some early Christian teachers and leaders for about three years. So now we're at AD 36. And then Paul goes to Galatia. About when? Uh, we, we, we're thinking that's around uh, AD like... Oh, no, excuse me. Sorry, I'm off. Uh, 80-40s. 80-40, not 30s. Early yeah. 80-40s in Acts 13 and 14. Yeah, and, and so he's there in Galatia. He's evangelizing there, and he establishes this church, right? right? This is the church that the letter is written to. Paul goes there, proclaims the gospel clearly to them, starts the church, and now if we get to where we are in this letter, it's about eight years later, seven or eight years later. Right. Uh, and, and here's why that's really relevant, actually. If you think about seven or eight years, you may think that's a long time. That's your time in ASM. That's your right. time in middle school and high school. From sixth grade to 12th grade, mm -hmm. here's what happens in the church of Galatia. The churches in Galatia have a group that becomes known to us today as we call them the Judaizers. These are people who were 
were Jewish in heritage, but then became followers of Jesus. And they tried to marry the Old Testament law to the New Testament covenant of Jesus. And they were trying to make people follow all these rules. And you'll hear that later on in our video as we move to the Bible project. But what happens is they're actually adding to the gospel. And Paul is a big problem with this. So in a matter of seven-ish years, from sixth grade to twelfth grade, for you, those of you in ASM, what has managed to happen in this church is that they've managed to adopt a false gospel, which according to Paul is no gospel at all. Yeah. But then Paul says some pretty interesting things that I think we have to unwrap. First of all, and, and we didn't say this in our notes, but I think it's worthy of noting, is that Paul says that he's not sent from man, from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ. He's establishing right out the gate that Jesus is no mere man. He's 100% God and yet 100% human. He's not just a man. When he says he's not sent by a man, but then says he's sent by Jesus, that can be confusing because Jesus was indeed a man. But what he's saying is Jesus is not just a man. And then he gets into this thing where he calls himself, or actually he does this first, he says that he's an apostle. So for those of us that, uh, that maybe don't use the word apostle in our everyday lives, Austin, what in the world does that mean and why is it important? Yeah, so the, the biggest deal with apostle is, is the reason Paul does it is to actually elevate his authority, right? Not out of pride, although he is proud of this and he should be, because what an apostle is, is he is a follower of Jesus who has seen the resurrected, risen Christ. Right. Uh, and, and he gets into this again in this letter, and it's an amazing story, but he gets into the fact that he was saved on that road to Damascus by the risen Christ. Right. Uh, he, was, he was not following Jesus while Jesus was here on earth, but he still was saved by him. So he qualifies as this unique title as apostle, and that gives him a special authority because he has... Uh, met with, essentially, Jesus himself right. and learned from him. And that is why what he says is found to be trustworthy. Right. And, and this gets into this letter, right? He, he talks about uh, a, a lot of things that are going wrong. And he is saying, you can trust me because of my status as apostle, because right. I learn and listen from Jesus, not from man. Right. And why that's incredibly important is the Judaizers at this point who he is competing against for the ear of of this church, they're actually present still in Galatia. And Paul is writing to them. He's not there. So he's elevating his authority on the things he's going to discuss throughout the letter, which he needs to do in order to kind of convince them that he's the one worthy of being listened to and not those who are presenting a false gospel who are physically present. And then he gets on to this next, this phrase. And I think this is an important phrase and it actually may not even take too much for us to get into like how this is relevant to us, but he says this evil age. And he's talking in this way, this verse four, who gave himself, talking about Jesus, for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. So what is what in the world does that mean for the church in Galatia? And what does it mean for us? 
Yeah, well, honestly, the truth is it's not that different. Uh, we, I hope I don't have to convince you too much of this. We live in an evil age. Right. They, they were living in one too. For them, the specifics, uh, obviously there was much suffering in the world still present, but Paul, it, it feels like he's addressing very specifically the evil age is that they have been led astray from the truth of the gospel of following Jesus. Right. And that still happens today. But just look around and, and look at the world and examine does this seem full of goodness? Right. It's not that goodness is absent, but is it, does it seem like together we live in unity and love and, and beautiful harmony, companionship and partnership? Or does it seem like we're at each other's throats? There's, like the world is broken and divided. Exactly. Maybe more than ever. Yeah. And, and in, in this too, uh, part of the evil age for them is that there are people leading them astray. That is so present today. It's yeah. so easy. There is so much information at our fingertips uh, with cell phones, with technology, which is beautiful. But there are so many people that are looking to lead you astray, right. whether that's in your, your news and what you're intaking there, or it's in who Jesus is and what does it mean to follow him. And that's, that's a one-to-one comparison of what Paul's going to get right. into. And I don't think you guys have to look too far, students. I mean, you can go to Instagram, to TikTok. For those of you that are a little elevated and you use Twitter, uh, you know, like you don't have to go very far to find division and evil, right? But what's key here in verse four is this, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. And that's where we're getting this concept for this whole series, that we were set free to live free, that the gospel is the promise of freedom from something that is lacking, the way the world calls us to live, to something that is worthy. So let me say that again. The gospel is the promise of freedom from something lacking to something that is worthy. Because in verse four, we are told by the apostle Paul that Jesus gave himself to what? To rescue us. But if you're rescued from something, you're also rescued to something. And what Paul is going to hammer home throughout this entire letter is this concept, that it is not about what the Judaizers are telling them, that it's about what was done for you, sure, in Christ, but it's also about what you must do. So there's something that's added. And what Paul is going to stress is that it is Jesus and nothing else else, that it is strictly what was done for you that saves you. It does not mean that what, was, that what you do does not matter. It's simply, Paul is saying, that is not what sets you right with God. It is simply the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you that sets you right with God, not what you do. Yep. And that is so good. And, and even just to add to that, it is, it is what you get to do. It's what you get to do with this new freedom. Set free, live free. You live freely following Jesus. It is a beautiful offering that, that Jesus is offering to us, I should say, that we get to participate in. And that is the core content of this letter. That's what we're so excited about. So now we actually have uh, we, we show these guys a lot. I hope you guys uh, enjoy them. The Bible Project, it's a, it's a great group. Uh, Shout out to my boy, Tim Mackey. Yep, Tim Mackey, Western Seminary. Right there you here. go. Uh, but there's a, there's a short video, it's about 10 minutes long, that they will walk through basically the, the overall content of this letter, give you guys a great overview just as we prepare to study this. Uh, so enjoy it, listen, pay attention, and just really be thinking about these things that we've been talking about and how the themes that they discuss in that video uh, will tie in. 
Paul's letter to the Galatians. It was written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia where Paul had traveled on one of his missionary journeys. You can read the stories in the book of Acts. He wrote this important letter from a place of deep passion and frustration. Here's the backstory. Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem, but its message was for all humanity, and so it quickly spread beyond Israel. By Paul's time as a missionary, there were as many non-Jews as there were Jewish people in the Jesus movement, and this sparked a huge debate that we know about from the book of Acts chapter 15. Historically, the covenant people of God were focused in one ethnic group, Israel, and they were set apart by the practices commanded in the Torah, like circumcision of males, eating kosher, observing the Sabbath. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that for all of these non-Jews to truly become a part of God's family, they needed to obey the laws of the Torah. And so some of these Jewish Christians ended up coming to the Galatian churches. They were undermining Paul and demanding circumcision of all these male non-Jewish Christians. And so many of them were. And when Paul found out, he was brokenhearted and angry. And this letter is the result. He first challenges the Galatians with his summary of the gospel message about the crucified Messiah. He then argues that this gospel is what creates the new multi-ethnic family of Jesus and Abraham. And then he shows how this gospel is what truly transforms people by the presence and power of the Spirit. He opens by expressing his bewilderment that the Galatians have embraced a different gospel. It's the one promoted by these Christians who badmouth Paul and demand circumcision. So Paul first defends the authenticity of his message and authority as an apostle. He was commissioned by the risen Jesus himself to go to the non-Jewish world. Remember the story from the book of Acts. Paul says it was only later that he went to Jerusalem to consult the other apostles like Peter or James. And when he told them he wasn't requiring non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised or eat kosher, they were in full support. But this tension ran deeper. Peter had come to Antioch to visit and see all of these non-Jewish Christians, and he was eating and mingling with them. But when some of this Jerusalem opposition group showed up in Antioch, Peter caved under their pressure. He stopped eating with these uncircumcised Christians, and he was avoiding them. And so Paul confronted and accused Peter of hypocrisy, of not staying true to the gospel. For Paul, demanding these new Christians to become circumcised and Torah observant, it's wrong-headed for all kinds of reasons. First of all, because it's a betrayal of the gospel. Or in his words, people are not justified by the works of the Torah, but rather by the faith of Jesus the Messiah. And we have faith in the Messiah Jesus. To be justified, or literally to be declared righteous, it's a rich Old Testament term for Paul. It's when God declares that someone is in a right relationship with him. They're forgiven, they're given a place in God's family, and they are being transformed by God's grace. And it's Paul's conviction that no one can be justified by observing the commands of the Torah, but only by the faith of Jesus. This is a dense phrase, and it could refer to Jesus' own faithfulness in living and dying on our behalf, or it could refer to our own trust and devotion to Jesus. Either way, the point is clear. People are justified only through trusting in what God did for them through Jesus, not by what they do for themselves. At the heart of Paul's gospel is this claim, that when people trust in the Messiah Jesus, what's true of him becomes true of them. 
his life, death, and resurrection become theirs. Or in his words, I've been crucified with the Messiah, and it's not I who come back to life. It's the Messiah living in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the reason anyone can say that they are right with God or belong to Jesus' covenant family, it's not because they obeyed the laws of the Torah. It's only because of what Jesus did for them that they could never do for themselves. Now, this profound understanding of what Jesus accomplished, it has huge implications for who can now be included in God's covenant family and for what it means to live as a member of that family. So Paul first turns to the stories about Abraham in Genesis, how he was justified or declared righteous before God by simply having faith, by trusting in God's promise that one day all nations would find God's blessing through him and his offspring. God's purpose was always to have one large multi-ethnic family of people who relate to him on the basis of faith, not on the laws of the Torah. But that raises an important question. Why did God give the laws of the Torah to Israel then? Here Paul offers a very brief and dense explanation that he will later fill out in his letter to the Romans. He observes that the laws of the Torah were given to Israel at Mount Sinai long after God's promise to Abraham. And if you read the Torah carefully, he says, you'll see that God always intended the laws to be a temporary measure. He says the laws had both a negative and a positive role. Negatively, the laws acted like a magnifying glass on Israel's sin. They exposed how Israel shared in the sinful human condition, constantly rebelling against God's law. And so the law, which is good, ended up pronouncing Israel guilty and all humanity with them. Or in his words, the laws imprisoned everyone under the power of sin. But the laws also had a positive role. They acted like a strict school teacher that kept Israel in line until the coming of the promised offspring of Abraham, the Messiah. And once the Messiah came, he fulfilled the purpose of the laws on Israel's behalf. Jesus was the faithful Israelite who truly loved God and neighbor. And as Israel's king, he died to take the curse and consequence of Israel's failure into himself and bring redemption. And so now through Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, God's blessing can come to all people, regardless of their ethnicity, social status, or gender. For Paul, requiring Torah observance from non-Jewish Christians, it makes no sense. It's acting as if Jesus didn't fulfill God's promise or deal with our sins. It neglects the new freedom gained for us through Jesus and the gift of the Spirit, and it limits God's promise and blessing to one ethnic family. But, Paul's opponents might argue, the laws of the Torah, they're a proven guide to living according to God's will. How will non-Jewish Christians learn this? Paul responds in chapters 5 and 6 by describing how Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit is the key. The laws of the Torah are good. They're wise, Paul says. In fact, they can all be summarized, as Jesus did, in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. But the laws, good as they are, they did not give Israel the power to obey them. In contrast, the good news is that Jesus did fulfill the laws on our behalf, and now he lives in us through the Spirit, making his people into new humans who fulfill the law by loving others. So Paul goes on to contrast this old and new humanity. The habits of the old humanity are obvious. These are behaviors that dehumanize people, they destroy relationships and whole communities. And while the laws of the Torah prohibited these behaviors, Jesus actually put them to death on the cross. So when a person trusts in Jesus and lives in dependence on the Spirit, 
his life becomes theirs and produces what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. This is Jesus' way of life that he wants to reproduce in his family so that they become people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But this fruit isn't automatic, Paul says. It requires cultivation just like real fruit. Or in his words, if we live by the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. This requires intentionality. We have to learn how to prune off our old habits and cultivate new ones. And as we do so, we find ourselves carried along by the Spirit. As Jesus reshapes our minds and hearts and makes us into people who love God and others. And in this way, Jesus' people fulfill what Paul calls the Torah of the Messiah. In the end, Paul concludes, this requirement for Christians to become Torah observant or be circumcised, it's an adventure in missing the point. What really matters is God's new creation, this new multi-ethnic family of the Messiah, people full of faith in Jesus who are learning to love God and others in the power of the Spirit. And that's what the letter to the Galatians is all about. We hope you guys enjoy that video as much as we do and are, are getting ready for the study of set free, live free in Galatians this is what I want to challenge you with now as we close and get ready. Uh, spend some time in prayer. and I want to guide you a little bit through this. First, just pray for this year. It's a new school year. Pray that God would grow you, help grow your love and desire to follow him, learn about him. Spend some time asking for that. Afterwards, then Ask for the study in Galatians, that you would be encouraged by it, that, that we would be convicted where we need to be, uh, and that God would use our, our study in Galatians to teach us about who he is, what he desires for us, and that we would grow together in, in small group with your small group leaders, with your friends uh, and peers. Just ask that he would grow you in that study uh, and that this idea of set free, live free really just comes home to us and, and really we learn from it. So we're looking forward to this study so much. I hope you are too. Have a great week and we hope to see you soon.